This episode of the Happy Hour is brought to you by Sugar and Slice Bakery. Contact Kristen at 863-326-8097 or you can send her an email at sugarandslicebakery at gmail.com or you can hit her up on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash sugarandslicebakery. They're located in Eagle Lake by appointment only. They do custom cakes, cookies, cupcakes, cheesecakes, and pies. Order for your next party, family get-together, company event. And that's where the happy hour with Johnny and Deuce goes to get all their pastry needs. And what do they have special for us, Johnny, at Sci-Fi Saturday's Bar Toe? At Sci-Fi Saturday's Bar Toe, if you drop our name, you'll get a free cookie. But also, any future orders after that, mention our name and you'll get $5 off your order. So definitely choose Sugar and Slice Baker for all your bakery, pies, pastries, cookie needs. And don't forget to tell them that the Happy Happy Hour with with Johnny Johnny and Deuce Deuce sent you. Hi everyone, this is Kayla France, season two winner of King of the Nerds, and you are listening to Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. Hello, internets. My name is Johnny Womack. And of course you got Deuce with you. Hey, what's going on, Deuce? Not much, man. We've got a very, very special guest in the line who I cannot wait to introduce. It's the season two winner of TBS's King of the Nerds, Kayla LaFrance. Welcome to the happy hour, Johnny and Deuce. Hello, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for, for being on the show, number one. And, and and the first question I've got right off the bat is, how does it feel to be the winner of season two of King of the Nerds? Like, the whole entire experience from the moment it happened, this whole year, I mean, even up to today, it's just been somewhat surreal, and um, it's been a lot of fun. I've had some amazing experiences from it, and so it's totally worthwhile. Well, I got to ask, what got you to, to, to being on King of the Nerds? Like, what was your first step to kind of getting on the show? have a very different story than most contestants. Um, the show had just kind of been picked up by a production company. They hadn't even picked up a network yet, as far as I'm aware. And I, I got this, I saw like someone texted or tweeted out on Twitter that, you know, that the show is going to be happening and they're looking for some nerds. And I had a friend on Facebook and then my fr- you know, friends at work were all like, you got to go for it. Um, I, I was so unsure if it was even a real thing that when I filled out the initial form, I put a fake social security number down. <laughs> to be on the safe side. <laughs> um, and I ended up going through the whole process with them. I, you know, filled out the form. They're like, oh, give us a video. I gave them a video. And um, I had like a 15-minute time limit on my video and everything. And then this is like October 2011. And come February, March of 2012, they had a network, they knew they were going to film, they're ready to go, and they called me up and they're like, you're, you're going to come to L.A. And I was like, great. Well, then about seven days later, I got a phone call from NASA, and NASA's like, congratulations, you're going to work for us this summer. So I called up King of the Nerds and I said, bye-bye. <laughs> and I, I turned down beyond season one of King of the Nerds. I said, goodbye, I'm going to go to NASA instead, and I went and did my thing at NASA, and they get the second season. I get a phone call from casting. They're like, are you still interested? Sure. Okay, let's do the song and dance all over again. And uh, the rest is history. 
Wow, that's awesome. Now, are you still currently working with NASA? Um, not currently. It was just an internship. It was oh. like an eight-and-a-half-week internship. Uh, I did Mars Chroma Potentiometry Research. Wow. Now, you're going to have to give that in Captain Kyle dummy talk. So what what exactly <laughs> does that mean? <laughs> um, the most elementary way I can explain it is basically – we do research on Mars soil from the rovers and such that are on Mars um, through a method called chromal potentiometry. And basically, we take a sample of Mars soil, mix it with sterile water, stir it up, and then we send electricity through the water. And the electricity will react with different chemicals. And as it reacts with the chemicals, it will, like, use up the chemicals. So it will react to the nitrogen, use up the nitrogen, and it will stop reacting. So we are able to tell that, well, the soil had a 20-second reaction at this voltage, so that actually equates to 10% uh, nitrate or something like that. So that's basically using electricity to try and figure out the composition of the Mars soil. Well, after that explanation, I have no idea why TBS picked you as a King of the Nerd contestant. I have no idea. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. It sounds uh wow. It sounds really deep and detailed. It sounds like you had a lot of fun. You know, it's something to put on your uh on your uh, a little feather in your cap. Yeah, definitely. And you know, I'm hoping eventually to get working again back at NASA. But you know, hiring doesn't always happen overnight. That's true, and especially with the the NASA budget cuts and everything, there's definitely not as many jobs mm-hmm. there as there used to be. Yeah, especially with my specialization, because um, I specialize in manned spaceflight, and with manned spaceflight being unsupported right now with, like, no rocket ship, uh, there's not as much room for growth in my field. So I'm like, hey, come on, finish building the new rocket. Well, trust me, you're you're pulling at our heartstrings there because uh, where our podcast is located at, we're we're very close to Orlando, Florida, and Cape Canaveral. Mm. God bless it; it's turned into a ghost town within the past five years because all the jobs dried up, um, all the people they sent home, and it's it, it's it's sad. If you go to the Cape now, uh, I mean, as much as I hate to say it, it, it's sad. It's a ghost of what it used to be ten, fifteen years ago. Mm. Oh, I can believe it. I mean, I went there in the launch of STS-118. I was a VIP at that launch, and it was amazing, that facility that they have and stuff. Yeah, nowadays, there's just nothing there. But it's going to turn back around. 2018, we should have human flights again. Well, I hope so, because my uncle would like to get his job back, so... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, do you watch... uh, You're watching season three as well? Oh yeah, you seem to be like that was one thing that we noticed right away. Uh, you know, we you know for you folks that just picked up the Happy Hour and Johnny and Deuce, we have uh, been interviewing some of the uh, contestants on season three of King of the Nerds, and uh, Kayla all of a sudden just came out of the woodworks and was all of a sudden like you know tweeting us and favoring us and like you've been a big support for us, so we really appreciate that. Well, you know, my my big thing right now is supporting the new season, and so when I find people that are supporting the season. And I try and spread those out, you know, send them to my followers and stuff as well. And that's kind of why I created the Throne Room website, which I have linked, like, every blog, every pod, every um, YouTube channel that recaps or talks about King of the Nerds in some way, even some of the less favorable ones. 
Um, I'm marking them all right there onto the throne rooms so that, you know, you can find them, and we have them all centralized. We can't have the show without the support of the people, but people need to, especially being the nerd culture, we like to be inclusive. And so being able to share it with all the people on our social media, it makes them feel like they belong, and that Nirvana is a part of them as well. So... Well, and also speaking of that, we wanted to say a, a big, big thank you personally because you were nice enough to put our podcast up there on your site, which is amazing. And we just wanted to say thank you for that. Um, no need to thank me. Just, I mean, it's a thank you from us to you for supporting our show. And the numbers are great for season three right now. And it helps that we have podcasts and stuff helping expand our viewership and promote the show. So. Yeah, we uh we saw we actually it was funny because we we had a, a migration that we we actually when season three started the happy hour with Johnny and Deuce we were transitioning from Podomatic uh to SoundCloud and once we jumped onto SoundCloud it like opened up our whole world and all of a sudden you could hashtag you know King and the Nerds or KOTN or Nerds Rule and all of a sudden we're getting people on SoundCloud that we don't know they're just like what, listening to our episode and it's awesome how hashtags have really gone to this this century like how you can find things just by looking up a hashtag it's amazing yeah I mean I use TweetDeck and so I have it set up so I have like Nerds Rule hashtag Nerds Rule hashtag King of the Nerds just normal King of the Nerds and then the hashtag that I use for my site um, the Knights of Nirvana we use the Nerd Army and the, the Knights of Nirvana kind of started from when we weren't sure we'd get a season three. And we were really, what's going to happen, what's going to happen? And um, I just, I got together with some fans of the show and was like, well, let's start a nerd army on Twitter. And it was like a Twitter campaign to just annoy the heck out of TBS. We wrote in letters, we, we tweeted them, we emailed their PR department, like everything, our customer relations department, everything we could. You know, and it, it was like a little gnat compared to the, the big company of TBS. But, you know, it was just enough to try and say, hey, we're still here. And uh, once we got the pickup, everyone's like, well, what do we do now? And so it led to the Knights of Nerdvana, and it's the whole website. We do weekly, like, hangouts on uh, Google Chat. And we do roundtable challenges once a month to kind of, well, what, what kind of nerdy things do we not know about? Like, I've never seen any kind of anime. So one month we did anime. And so it, it's been fun. And it's, it's stay, I get to stay engaged with a lot of the fans and stuff and keep the show running during the off season. And it, it seems to be turning out and working out. And season three is awesome. And it's amazing. And oh, I, I can't wait till season four comes because we're going to get it. I, I, we're going to get season four. Well, you know, I love season three so far. And um, do you have a favorite contestant, or can you tell us who you like, you know, more than others? I know they're all really great in their own ways, but do you have any like favorite contestants for the season? Um, that's really hard to put me in that position. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, uh, you know, because I know I knew all these people individually before I even seen the show, and oh, so. Okay. I, Oh, that gives you an unfair it advantage. It does. It does. That's all, that's yeah, almost like that. the the house knowing the odds beforehand and setting the wagers. So no, right. I don't. I don't blame you on bowing out of that one. Is there any one particular person on the cast this year that you you would say if if you were going to bet money on who would win, that they would probably be the person you would you would put your bet on? Um. Again, that's that's kind of hard for me to to say 
you know, because I, I ended up getting to be, like, when I filmed like that, so I was on set and I got to see things and stuff. So oh, it, so you know, of course she can't do it because she knows who what already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we totally get we totally, no, we totally and get no it. No spoilers here because yeah. we love the show too much because that's our – we've said it on multiple podcasts and we'll say it again, at least for me personally, for Deuce. It's my Friday night. Like, I look forward to it. Either I come home – from work in the gym and I'll, you know, play video games and stop for that one hour so I can like watch and live tweet or it'll be my boys or my friends come to pick me up to go to the bar and we watch it. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as we're done, we leave and we go to the bar. Yeah. No, don't worry. There won't be any spoilers. The last thing I want to do is piss off TBS. Oh, yeah, and yeah, we, yeah. We, yeah, we don't want to do that yeah, either. No, no, no. no. <laughs> we we already got a slap on the wrist, so we're gonna, we're trying to be good little boys and girls. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, with the happy hour and Johnny and Deuce, I mean, we we always say we're we're a podcast made by nerds for nerds because Deuce and I were lit. I mean, not literally, but we were born with a video game control in one hand. We were born with a comic book in the other, and we were born with Star Trek on our televisions. And that that's what we grew up. You know, I mean, that's us. That's who we are. We're not. We're not some podcast that's pretending to be like, oh, we're going to pretend to be nerds so we can interview other nerds. This is like legit. Like you, you. This is like the we're preaching to the choir here. Like we, this is our people. You know, <laughs> this you are our people. So, <laughs> I had two of the three. <laughs> You're a big Star All Trek fan, same. right? Damn Pac Man. <laughs> <laughs> You're a big Star Trek fan. I take it, right? I'm a huge, huge Trekker. Uh, there was a rule last year that I wasn't allowed to talk about Star Trek because I did it so much, I annoyed my fellow castmates. And so you never, it never got shown on the air, but there was a, a, before every challenge, a ban on Star Trek was laid down. And if we won, Kayla would get to talk about Star Trek for four hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's funny because you had a Captain Janeway quote almost on every episode last season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, oh, so I totally did the monologue from the Pale Moonlight of Cisco. Like the one episode where I kind of had to be a little mm. I had to be a little bit of uh, kind of sneaky and get Brian into the nerd office instead of me. And I totally at the end of it did the Cisco monologue at the end where I'm just like, you know, was it worth it and all that? And they didn't air. I was like, no, I even had a Mountain Dew and I was sipping it like he was with his drink in the episode. <laughs> you know what? That's probably why it got cut out because you were sipping a Mountain Dew and the Mountain Dew would pay him to sponsor. That's probably exactly why it got cut out. Well, no, it was called Green Caffeine. Oh, there yeah. you go. They don't sponsor. You can't have a bunch of nerds in the house without the green caffeine. Oh, no. I, and that's the one thing I love. It's my favorite thing when I watch TV is to see who paid for the product placement and who didn't. Because you can see the <laughs> bottle has like – and I'm a huge al- – well, I shouldn't say alcoholic. I'm a huge alcohol aficionado. And <laughs> like I know what certain bottles look like. So I know, okay, that's what that beer is. And I can tell by if they're showing the label or if they've ripped it off or they'll put the duct tape over it, you know. And I love doing that. It's yeah. a little game I play whenever I watch reality TV is who paid to be on and who are they making cover everything up? Little Caesars. Pizza Little pizza. Caesars. Oh, yeah, those hot and ready's, man. <laughs> Little Caesars is making bank off of King of the Nerds, man. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, they're, they're a great sponsor. We love them. So. Well, we do. I, I bought a hot and ready yesterday, so I'm not saying nothing bad about Little Caesars. 
And that $5 lunch combo, mmm, that's good stuff. Oh, yeah, very tasty. <laughs> so I thought I would ask you a question that I that I, I like to ask different questions to – you called yourself a trekker. I guess that's another way of saying a trekkie, right? I guess it's a trekker, trekkie. Um, they kind of interchangeable. I, I, honestly, I usually call myself a trekspert. Oh, I like I, that. I, 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 I've quickly learned – from some Trekkie fans of mine that I tend to know more than I should. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like, oh, I am so mad I wasn't up there when Moby made an ass of himself. Because he was wrong. Moby was wrong. Only one Klingon drinks Prundrus, and that's Worf. And he's considered pretty humanized. Yeah. The actual drink that Klingons will drink before a battle is Warnog and blood wine. And I, oh, and then really not knowing that Hamlet is actually in Klingon, I have the first edition, Klingon Hamlet. I mean, movie number six was all about Shakespeare Klingon and Octay Octi. Like, oh, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> well, I really... I know Oh, I know, and I remember I watched it. It was God. It was a long time ago. It was right around the same time Undiscovered Country was coming out. They had this big special, and I want to say it was UPN, and they were saying how hard it was to do those scenes because in Klingon there is no to be. So they had to figure mm-hmm. out how to write to be so that he could have the line yeah. to be or not to be. Yeah, that's Mike Akuda. He created the entire language, and the language is actually recognized as a legitimate full-out created language with all the proper syntax required for it to be a recognized language, and I mean, there's Klingon Language Institute, there's summer camps being noted, I'll teach you how to speak Klingon in like a two-month crash course and everything. Well, it, and if it, you go to Dragon Con, they even have Klingon karaoke. Well, it's funny. We've got a, a, a big sci-fi event coming up this Saturday, Sci-Fi Saturday's Barto, and that's one of the big mm-hmm. things they're going to do is they're having Klingon karaoke as part of the event. Yeah, uh, it's, you won't, most of those people won't do it in Klingon, but there'll be the one or two people that'll go up there and do it in Klingon, and it's just so much fun. So, yeah. So I guess my my question to you is, uh, I usually ask Trexperts these this question uh, because it throws them off a little bit. What is your least favorite Star Trek series? Oh, that was easy. Okay, that, you, you yeah. nailed that one. You didn't have to think about it. You're like, no, Enterprise, boom. Uh, yeah, actually, I haven't. I never finished Enterprise. I, I for some reason, couldn't don't finish bother. it. Do not bother. <laughs> oh, it, the last episode is almost an insult to your intelligence. Uh, I, I mean, it's almost on par with J.J. Abrams' crap. Well, well that we was go. my that next was question. question. Number two. <laughs> the segues into my next question. Uh, Defines uh, define that J.J. Uh, Abrams' crap. Why do you, you obviously don't like it? What does uh, that mean? <laughs> I'm not a big fan of the reboot. Um, but 2009, I was okay with. I was like, okay, this isn't the track that I grew up with. This isn't the track I love. It's missing a lot of the elements that are important that I find personally important about Star Trek. But you know, I can kind of see where they're going with it back on the lens flare and it might actually be a decent show. So I went into 2011 or Into Darkness and then they just bought, decided to insult your intelligence. Oh, let's just put a starship under the ocean. Now granted, you can't even build a starship on the ground, which 
I should have pointed out in the first movie, but I let it slide. There's police suspenders. But then it's with the starship under the ocean. That design of Eddie's design, come on. The second it goes to move, the, the saucer section's going to snap off. Jeez. And, like, they, oh, the science was so bad and so wrong. And they don't even name the distance between the Earth and the moon properly. And it's like, come on, we've known that since 1969. Yeah, I definitely think with the new, because we actually had a discussion about this. I'm right there with you. I did not like the new treks. My biggest problem was when they started that new timeline because I knew they wouldn't go back to the original timeline with, you know, Enterprise and, and Voyager and DS9 and Next Generation. They'll never go back to them. And in my mind, it's almost like the comic books are doing now where they're rebooting everything. And it wipes everything that we know out. And as a as a fan, you know, you put a lot of time and money and effort into these things. And when they just kind of wipe it all away, I feel like we don't matter anymore. Does that make any sense? Yeah. I, I can see it. Um, my big thing is, one of the things that I like to explain about it is Star Trek is about the future. It's about growth, adventure, and uh, moving forward. And... What confuses me is why the last two episodes or the last two endeavors of Star Trek was Enterprise and then the new JJ stuff. And both of those go back in time. Star Trek's about going forward in time. Why do we keep getting caught up and going backwards? So I, I actually, I can see what you're saying, but I kind of disagree. Because Star Trek Online has, you know, that's like, what, 70 years past Voyager? Yeah. And it really has a huge following in the, the community. And I don't think, I just think that, I don't feel like they're going to be able to completely kill out the, what we grew up on. Because that's going to come back because... Yeah, you're getting some new fans with the, the the blockbuster hit movies, but you can't sell an entire franchise that has almost 50 years of history on those. Right. And you're going to have to go back to where your history is, and they're going to be able to, you know, honestly, I think if they reboot and want to go back to TV, they have to come back into our timeline. And in order to come back into our timeline and make it work, they're going to probably jump ahead like 70 years post-Voyager, like Enterprise, or uh, The Next Generation was right. the original series. Right. And to be honest with you, I think that'd be the smartest thing. The only thing I'd seen is for, and I want to say it was before the J.J. Trek came out, they were toying with the idea of, and I want to say CW was going to pick it up, a uh, Starfleet show. So it would be kind yeah. of a, a mix of your... CW style teeny bopper show like think Dawson's yeah. Creek meets Star Trek and I was like you know what that could actually work I actually thought it was not a bad idea um, because it would get younger fans in and, and just just like cigarettes it's good to hook them when they're young because then they'll stay fans for life and I, I think it's the same way with Star Trek it happened with me you hook them when they're young and they'll stay fans for the rest of their lives and I thought in theory, that would be a great idea for a show, and don't know why it ever picked up, but I think you're 110% right. I think it will one day, sooner or later, come back to TV, and I think when it does, they're going to have to do, like you said, almost like next-gen, skip you know, 50, 60, 70 years past Voyager, and then pick up the timeline there. Yeah. No, that, that's the 
that's probably what they're going to do. I, I like, I, I have liked the idea of Starfleet Academy. Uh, if they can, you know, I don't know. That one will be different. You'd have to see how they sell it. I know that there's talk about, um, let's see, some of the rumors I've heard. We have Michael Gorn wanting to do a Star Trek The Wharf. Yeah. Um, which, if it's on the Klingon Defense Force, and it's a whole series about Klingons, I might really enjoy that because I'm Klingon by choice. I'm only human by birth. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I love the Klingon culture. I love the Klingons. That's like my, the one cosplay I want to do, but I'm afraid to do. Because if I don't do it justice, I'm going to, you know. But, so Klingon, like, Defense Force or Klingon Wharf kind of thing, or Star Trek Wharf. I've heard about the the talk about doing it with um, the Starfleet Academy, uh, but I also heard people talk about maybe it, it's from Enterprise. Well, was it in Deep Space Nine? It might have been Deep Space Nine. Um, the Nakos, the Marines, the Starfleet Marines that got invented because of the Dominion War, and uh, Section Thirty One, and kind of having like almost a Star Trek CSI kind of show. <laughs> Um, like a procedural. Right. So, I don't know. They, they, they got to follow the flavor. Basically, finding the, the right crew to do it, the cast, to do it the same way that you have been doing it, is going to fall flat. That's what Enterprise... Enterprise had bad writers, but they also had a worse cast. It, it, it wasn't very well cast. And you didn't have that magic, that connection that you have with some of the other shows. And... It just fell apart because if you don't have that cast working together, then you have to have good stories. If you don't have good stories, then you don't have any a leg to stand on. Yeah. So they need to either they got to figure out what the flow of the current TV is. And right now, you know, it's, gosh, you got Shield, you got Flash, Gotham. I mean, you got yeah. massive amounts of superhero-like shows. So in that case, you're looking at maybe something along the lines of Section Thirty One. Section 31 would be almost like a, a take on Fringe or Supernatural or something like that, where you got the people dealing with relativity and dealing, you know, the USS relativity trying to correct all the different timelines. And so, I don't know, there's a lot of ideas out there. And there's a lot of fans that could probably write some really good shows. And there are great shows out there. You got Continues, you've got The Red Shirt Diaries, and um, what's the new one? Arc Nod? There's a new one that just came out, and I can't recall the name of it. But, so there's some great fans shows out there, too, just to keep it going. Well, I actually think, um, I, the more I think about Star Trek, the more I think about how... I talk about this almost in every episode, but the way we consume media is changing, right? We're not there's not there's a lot of cable cutters out there now. You have Netflix, Amazon Prime, and Hulu Plus are the three big ones that come to mind. What would say that we I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past it that we would have a Netflix Star Trek uh, show because Netflix is really batting a thousand right now with Orange is the New Black and. Uh, you know, House of Cards, and I mean, they, they've been really nailing it. And uh, I think if they were to bring something, something like Star Trek, that would a boost a lot of people that are already Netflix subscribers, but also bring people to Netflix that aren't Netflix subscribers. Because you know that that Trekkie fan base is huge. huge. You know, it's all over. It's like a brotherhood. You know, and I think you could get people are starting to respect Netflix like it's an HBO. You know, HBO isn't the uh. only king anymore. So I feel like if 
if Star Trek were to go the Netflix route, I think that would be almost in its favor because you could make it a little bit darker. You wouldn't have to hold to the the basic cable, you know, cursing and, and just deal with certain things that you can't do on basic television than you, as you would on like HBO or Showtime or Cinemax. But Netflix is, you know, what's your thoughts about a uh, Netflix show? Um, well, I know that has come up before. Um, and now that, I mean, first of all, Orange is the New Black, Captain Jaguar, Kate McGrew. She's yeah. amazing. Yeah. She was phenomenal. Is Red, she's amazing. I love that show. She's awesome. Oh, I, I love her as an actor, and she's an amazing individual, but that's a different story. But for Netflix, you're right. They wouldn't have the same regulations. But, I mean, I don't know. Star Trek, for me, there's a magic to it. There's the... the the science and the the enduring exploration and the the human growth kind of thing, and that's what we're missing in JJ Trek. We don't have that. It is a bang em up, flash bang action story that anybody with half a brain can figure out the story plot five minutes before it. Ha- like you're, it's always you can tell. Oh, there's a dead trouble right there. Oh, you know the trouble is going to be a good factor. Oh look, there's a weird starship sitting in the foreground. Oh, that must be the starship we're about to see in ten minutes. Like they, they, oh, moon beating. I hate it. So if they, if they make a darker one, because a lot of fans are critical of Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine threw out the books, and Deep Space Nine said there are two things that Gene Roddenberry said no to: war, conflict, and religion. We don't want them in our Star Trek. All of a sudden, you've got an entire show based on the Jordan religion and a Dominion war. And it's a, it's very critical of some fans. Like, East Space Nine is my least favorite of the four major series. Because I don't get behind, I don't want to watch religion and the war stories don't give me exploration. So, you know, yeah, they could let cussing into the show, but is that Star Trek? Yeah, they can make it darker, but is that Star Trek? Or are we just using a name to try and gain popularity and try and gain a fan base? But you insult the fan base, you know, you, you get a lot of resistance. Well, Enterprise. Where, where would you like Star Trek? What network would you like it? Um, I wouldn't care. Honestly, um, CW would scare me. Like, I, I'm a superhero fan. DC is my fave. I can't stand watching a lot of Arrow or Flash. They're well done. They're great. But they're so teen bopper girls. I don't know. They just they don't feel like they're they're taking us seriously. Gotham loves the show because it has you know it doesn't have that teenage CW high school drama built into it. Um, so you know maybe not on the CW, which is ironic because that's where Voyager UPN became CW, right. didn't they? Right. Yeah, that's correct. But Voyager was on that one, and Voyager, of course, is my favorite. Um, but I don't care if it's on Netflix. Uh, I wouldn't want it on, like, Amazon or Hulu because I don't pay for those services, and they don't work very well on my Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't care. I just want it. Give it to me. Um, and the medium is fun because – do you guys remember Trek 2.0? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, like – I would love to see if they if they came back with a new Star Trek or if like Netflix does having that interactive element because Trek 2.0 came out before smartphones. Can you imagine if they did something similar now where it's interactive on your iPad? 
or on your computer screen. Well, it would, yeah, it'd be funny because like you could, uh, you could have like a, you know, if someone's like doing a tricorder or they're do, you know, using or you could, it all Macro pop up on your display on your iPad or something it would be really, really interesting. Yeah, and then you're getting to see what they see and stuff like that, or if you were looking at Jordy's visor, seeing the spectrum that he's looking at, like, oh my gosh, there's so much fun technology, sciencey stuff that they could do that would aid in the show and make it that much cooler, at least in my opinion. But I'm a nerd, so my opinion tends to be the least common out there. Well, no, just to fill Deuce in, because I think I'm out of the loop on this, explain to me what Trek 2.0 was. You are not a Trekkie. Give me back your card. <laughs> um, Trek 2.0 was this thing they did, oh my lord, um, 2005? Yeah, it was in the t- early uh, 2000s. Yeah. It, it was 2005-ish, and it was G4 TV, I think. It was one of those, or was it Spike TV? It was something like that. And they would run the original series episodes, and you would be able to, was it through Twitter? I don't think it was through Twitter. But there was some way that you could send messages, and messages would be popping up along the bottom of your screen, like your TV screen. Um, you have a border around the video, and you have extra information, facts and stuff on one side. Then you have this other column that's basically messages that have been pre-screened and coming up from fans who are also watching it. And there are ways to earn points and stuff like that, and it was fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it just gave you an, an additional reason, not that you needed one, but to go back and rewatch some of the old classic shows and, and just feel like you got something, a bonus, you know, for watching them. So, and a great, you know, community interaction as well, which I loved. Yeah, like, I mean, that, you'd be watching the one that had uh, Frank Gorshin in it, and then it would have a photo of him as, like, the Riddler explaining that, you know, Frank Gorshin is also famous for the Riddler. Uh, you know, and so it would have information about the characters and some of those fun tidbits information that you know the diehard fan could sit there and skew back to you yeah it was almost like a pop-up video but cooler <laughs> well it, it ended up being what uh, basically like a lot of the uh, i don't want to say commentaries but i know there's some I, uh, vin diesel's riddick chronicles of riddick has one feature on the one of the director's cut where when you're playing it it has little pop-ups to give you the information. So, yeah, I mean, it's something like a feature that you see in DVDs nowadays. Well, yeah, like, I always equate it to Zack Snyder because his 300 Blu-ray edition and uh, his Watchmen one, he has that extended experience version where he'll have all these things you can learn more about the show and he'll explain and throw clips in there. And it's kind of like that enhanced, Mm -hmm. you know, experience. And Zack Snyder is known for doing stuff like that as well. Yeah. We would be remiss just because, like we said, we're going to Sci-Fi Saturday's Bartow coming up, and our good friend Sean was on the show. If I remember, how many Star Trek tattoos did he have? Six? I think he had six or seven. Yeah. Yeah. How many do you have, Caleb? Because I remember you had quite a few. Um, I have four tattoos. Um, I originally, when I started getting tattoos, I made a rule that I wouldn't do any kind of pop culture. Ah, okay. Um, and so I don't have any Star Trek ones, and part of that was that I would never have a TV show. But I now have a King of the Nerds tattoo, so I guess I kind of broke that rule. <laughs> yeah, but you're the um, champ. Like, you can do whatever you want when you're the champ. 
So no, I, I have four tattoos, and most of, I got like the King of the Nerds one, and then the other ones are like my my motto, which is onto Mars. I have another one that's like a rocket launching through an infinity sign, and that one says um, Semper Explorer, which is Latin for always change or always exploring. So yeah, those are my tattoos. They're what? very nerdy. Just like well, it's, I think it's great because, you know, tattoos are an, an outward extension of yourself. That's that's what I believe. You know, it's a part of you, mm-hmm. you know. And, like, I, I, you know, everyone has their own opinions on tattoos and whatnot. But, like me, I don't have any ink. I'm about to get my first ink. Uh, but I always I always wanted something that, like, is dear and true to me that represents me. And, like, I am going to – I'm going to be the polar opposite of what you're doing. <laughs> um, I am actually uh, – my favorite show of all time um, is the original Twilight Zone. Um, back oh, okay. in, love that show. It, it 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 like pretty much Rod Serling was the guy, you know, he was the narrator, but he was also wrote ninety two of the episodes and uh, of the uh-huh. hundred and fifty episodes. Now, a lot of people don't know that, and so he was like a genius. Essentially, you know, uh, everyone's come out of the woodworks. Gene Roddenberry, Steven Spielberg. Uh, you know, Scorsese, all these people come out saying, you know, if it wasn't for Twilight Zone, I wouldn't be a director. You know, I wouldn't be a writer. It's this show is like pretty much just I, I'm so passionate about it because they, they deal with life, death, rebirth, uh, discrimination, prejudice. Like it talks about war and, and everything. And, and like this was a, you know, really, really taboo topics they talked about in the fifth, you know, late 50s and early 60s. And for me, it's like I, I want something to represent a show that I will love until the day I die. My last breath, I will love Twilight Zone. So it's like something I know yeah. I'm going to be able – it's also going to be a story because obviously, you know, we're all nerds. All of us are, and we, we all, we're all very passionate, and that's something you can't fake. You know, you can pretend to fake it, but you can't, you know, learn passion. You, it just comes from within, mm-hmm. and that's something that, you know, it's, it's always going to be a talking piece. No matter, until you are – you know, uh, in your seventies, and you're like, hey, "What is King of the Nerds?" You know, and you can uh, you have that story to tell them, and it's an amazing experience that no one could take away from you. And I, I love that. I think it's an amazing thing. So I, yeah. I applaud you. <laughs> King of the Nerds is definitely the way I like to sum it up. Try and put a nice bow on it, which is hard to do because of just the vastness of the experience. But overall, the best and easiest way to describe it is that it is the most fun that I've ever experienced. It was also some of the most challenging things I've ever done, all wrapped up into, you know, a, a small time frame. And on top of that, it was the most stressful thing I have ever had to go through or to be a part of. I, I've never gotten stressed out before a big hockey game or before tests or even a presentation. But the... The, the, the stress and the nerves that going through you when you're sitting there about to start the nerd lemonade or you're waiting for the results from judges like Bill Nine the Science Guy were just I've never experienced before. <laughs> well, speaking of hockey and your love for hockey, what is your favorite hockey team? Um, I have to say the Predators, but I also have to throw on the disclaimer: I lived in Nashville for seven years. Okay. So, because a lot of people are like, well, how can you like a Southern team like that? Which, of course, right now, they just annihilated 5-1, to one, man. Yeah. They're playing San Jose Sharks, too, which is great, because normally we don't do well against the Sharks. So I'm going to have to tease somebody relentlessly about that. <laughs> but, um, no, uh, Predators are my favorite team. 
for the NHL. I follow maybe four other teams closely. And then college, it's the University of North Dakota, the Fighting Stu, which is the team or the school I went to. Um, Belfast Giants are my favorite in the elite ice hockey league in Europe. And I guess Locomotive is my favorite in the uh, Commodore Hockey League over in Russia. Wow. Yeah, I follow all those leagues. <laughs> I love my hockey. <laughs> no, we don't blame you. We're actually pretty lucky because where we land, we're kind of like dead center between Orlando and Tampa. So we can, you know, go to uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning games every so often. I try and follow the Lightning as best and I can. And cup. Well, yeah, it's been a while. But I'm, I'm hoping yeah. maybe this season will do okay. When it, when it comes to sports teams in general, like there's people out there that say, well, you have to follow the team where you're from, or you have to follow where you're born, or you have to, you know, you have to follow. Like I have a weird, I have a weird story. Uh, I'm not from Detroit. Yeah. I, I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We don't have a professional AHL hockey team. Uh, so growing up, I would just watch all the local, you know, local uh, Louisiana teams and whatnot. And but when I was a kid, I I was going through the like going through some books and whatnot, and some magazines, and I found the Red Wings. The De- I mean, you might hate this, but I found the Detroit Red Wings logo when I was a kid, and I just thought it was so cool. I was like, "Oh wow, I got the wheel with the with the wing." I'm like, "That looks neat." So I started drawing it as a kid, and I would just have it in my different drawings. And my mom goes, "What is that?" I said, "Oh, I, I found it." And she goes, "Well, that's from a hockey team." And I go, "Oh," so I ended up following the hockey team. Because of the logo, I, I, it's just really weird. And, and I've never been to Detroit. I, I don't know if I'll ever want to go to Detroit, but uh, but uh, but uh, it's it's just like I I associate NHL like like with I I like Detroit Red Wings because of that weird thing as a kid. It's really strange. Like I don't know. I I, I don't think you have to be from the area to be a fan. I think there's a lot of people that you know you you live in Washington now, correct? Uh, yeah, I'm back in my hometown. My grandma has cheap rent. <laughs> uh, but my 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 point being is that you know there's a lot of uh, Seattle Seahawks uh, fans now. You know, there I mean, there's they've been fans forever, but like I felt like since like 2005, like you didn't uh-huh. hear about Seahawks fans. Like you didn't hear about the Seahawks before 2005. You know, when they got into the playoffs and whatnot, and then all of a sudden now they've won in Super Bowls and or. They almost won or whatever uh, this last one, but uh, that that that's another topic for another day. That I felt like Seattle. I felt I didn't, I'm, I went on records uh, with a couple episodes ago saying you know that the Patriots didn't win the Super Bowl. Seattle lost it because I don't know if you watched that game. That was straight up bonkers. What happened? Yeah, I didn't bother watching it. I went and, <laughs> like, washed my truck and did things that were more worth my time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just didn't know, you know, being from Seattle, if you, have you seen that camaraderie? Like, be you know, live in Washington, that is. So have you seen a lot of Seattle, like, fans grow like the Seahawks? Or is it pretty much a pretty niche thing down there? Oh, it, it was it was disgusting how much Seahawks stuff was everywhere. And, like, I had went to L.A. for the premiere of season and so I'm flying back, what, the just a few days before the Seahawks were to have their big old Super Bowl. Now, here I am in SeaTac, their airport, and if you were wearing a Seahawks memorabilia, you got on the airplane first. I was like, really? Really? <laughs> no, it was everywhere. It was, you know, it was everywhere, and I took care of I'm not a football fan, you know. Now, in the Stanley Cup time, I'm all about it. And 
I love Olympic hockey, dear Lord. Olympic hockey is some of the best hockey out there, and I I love it. And so, but yeah, I'd rather work on my truck than watch football. So you're saying, Kayla, you're saying that you think there's a lot of bandwagon Seattle fans. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> it's hard not to get a, it's hard not to get into the hype of it. Like when it's in your city, I mean, there's you're like you said, there's that 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 pride. Just like during the Olympics, people that could care less about these sports all of a sudden are sports fans, especially curling. It's insane how popular <laughs> curling gets every Olympics. But you know, they get behind their country, and it's the same with local and city states, and even. You know, um, I'm from Spokane, so our big team is Gonzaga, and that's for basketball, um, oh, yeah. NCAA basketball. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, that time of year when they get back into the, what is it, the dance or whatever it's called, the Sweet 16 or whatever. Right. It, it's everywhere, and those colors are everywhere, and it's all about it. So, you know, I can get it, and I can see it. When I was in Nashville in the... The, the Titans were, you know, if they ever won a game, it was a big deal. Um, <laughs> but when the Preds were doing really well, like five years in a row, they got to the playoffs first round and they didn't go past that. But the city would get behind them. But because I'm more of a fan, I'm like, yay, look at this my city. <laughs> but, you know, so no, I said, yeah, you're right. But your city does support your sports as well. And they, they, hopefully they support when your team's, or, like, not maybe more academic-based, too. Like, if a college has a... I know North Dakota, University of North Dakota and Grand Forks, I know even their uh, solar car teams, you know, anything that's green, that's green and black in that city, that city gets behind them, even if it is, you know, the engineering team's newest design or something. So it's really cool to see that. Well, I'll tell you one thing. We, we, we live about 15 minutes from Orlando, Florida, and ever since Dwight Howard left the Orlando Magic, uh, the stadium has oh. been empty. So we, we don't have a lot of big support systems here in Orlando when it comes to the sports teams no. or the Tampa teams. So, yeah. <laughs> it was funny. I saw a Groupon the other day for Magic tickets, and it was 5 bucks for a seat, a hot dog, and a Coke. <laughs> and I was like, Lord, like they, they, it's that bad that they're giving away Groupons with free food and soda to get you to go. <laughs> Well, the only good thing is we do have the Orlando City soccer that's starting pretty soon. And our soccer team, uh, we've got this new guy called Kaka, and he's supposed to be really, really good. Um, So I'm actually – I've never been a huge soccer person except for when it's World Cup. And like you said about the Olympics, everybody gets behind Team USA during the World Cup. Um, I'm I'm trying to really learn soccer and kind of get behind soccer in the Orlando City soccer club just because it's something new and – I hate to say this as being a Floridian because I was born and raised here in Florida. We are the worst sports fans on the planet. We really are. Like, we are so bandwagony, and we can't fill up a stadium. And, you know, I'm hoping that maybe this will get some of the Orlandonians kind of behind a team because they can say, well, this is our team. It's always been our team. And it looks like out of the gate they're going to be doing pretty well. Um, so I'm hoping, knock on wood, you know, that maybe it'll it'll get some butts and seats and get uh, some pride in the city and some pride in, you know, being a fan of a sport because the Magic have been so fair-weathered, the fans. And the same thing with the Bucks. I've been a Bucks fan for life, but, I mean, we've had 
terrible, terrible periods. Hell, the running joke back in the late 70s when they were wearing the creamsicle uniforms, dad would say, if you got caught speeding in Tampa, they give you two tickets to the Bucks game, and then if they caught you speeding again, they make you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, I mean, it would just be nice to see some sports around here kind of grow and actually do something. Yeah, because it, it, yeah, well, I it's funny when you're at a sporting event, and I I think you're right, Kayla. You said something earlier about you know, the camaraderie and like the energy that is given off when your team is doing really well. Like you can almost feel like you're connecting with people when you're in that you know stadium or arena. You know, you feel like there's that energy that they give off, and it's kind of a natural high you get when you're at a live sporting event that you can't really replicate yeah. on television. Yeah, uh, I'm going to be there. It's always different than sitting there and watching it on TV. I, I can get behind it because I get I play, so I understand it a lot more, and I'm I'm more into it. But no, um, it, it's interesting though. To kind of bring it back more to the nerd world. One of the things that I like to say is that nerds and their obsession and passion for like their one topic or their one you know their their one corner of the nerd world is very on par with the fanatic sports fan i'll go to a predator hockey game and i have to wear the right hat my hair has to be in the right you know braids i gotta wear my jersey i'm going to park in this right spot i'm bleeding those colors when i'm at that game there's no difference from when I go and put my Batgirl costume on and I go to Comic-Con. It's the same feeling. you got that same team, that same you're, you're with people that get you, with people that understand the love of the game. You get people that understand the love of your costume and costuming and stuff. So they are very similar, and which kind of makes it very different watching season three right now of King of the Nerds. Because season one and two, there was definitely, we picked our own team. And so we had a strong team loyalty. And that team loyalty was hard to break. And now that they didn't pick their own teams, and you're watching it, and all these weird alliances are popping up, which, you know, I'm so glad I didn't have to deal with alliances. Um, The teams almost mean nothing. Because it doesn't matter what the teams are doing when it comes time to picking the, the, the nerd at the end for the nerd off. It's what are the alliances thinking and their cross teams. And it's taking away some of that team devotion that I remember having for, you know, the Titans of Rigel when I was in season two and how there was such a divide between the two teams and stuff. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Like, when they first did it this year and they said, okay, we're going to pick the teams for you, I'm like, okay, this is different. And it's it's like any game, like be it Survivor, be it The Amazing Race, you kind of got to change things up because if you make it the same every year, people kind of learn how to play the game and then it's not as much fun for a viewer. So at first I'm like, oh, well, this is going to be a good thing, TBS, you know, picking the teams for them. But then you have this secret six alliance that forms, and you're exactly right. It's like they're all working together, so they really don't care. Like they're throwing their own teammates under the bus and this and that because they're like, we just got to worry about the six of us. It doesn't matter if our team wins or loses. I'm like, no, 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 no. that's not how we play this game. Like, I don't know. It, it, it's like if you go to play a game of checkers and somebody starts moving the pieces in the wrong way, and you're like, no, 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 that's not how you play it. Like, uh, It's not very fun to watch, that's for sure. Uh, it is strategic. 
Um, it's just, it's definitely not how it, we played it in our my season. It's not how I would have played it. I probably would have been eliminated very fast because I wouldn't want to play with the teams. And, you know, some of the people picked early on, like, well, did they really not get a chance to contribute well enough or were they just not in your little Super 6 alliance? Which I think that that's the one thing that has kind of shocked me this season, that nobody has figured out the secret six yet. Because to me, as a viewer, it's super obvious uh, who is working together. And I don't think, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. But I think I could have figured it out by the third week that, hey, I think there's a little group of people that are working together. Um, I don't know, because again, I've been in there and like... Um, one thing you never really made it on the show is that uh, Nicole and I were super tight when we were filming. From day one, we were super tight. And um, we would kind of feed information across teams. And, you know, I don't think it was something that everyone was super aware of. And, uh, you know, so I can see small little, like, two sons and stuff having their alliances, no problem. Uh, and we saw that in season one, too, I think. And then Genevieve and Celeste have their own little tiny mini alliance. Right. Um, but the big one, you know, okay, I, I guess I can, being in the position where I've been in the house before, I know how much stimulus is going on. I guess I can see how six people can keep a secret like that. The one that has blown my mind is that it took them four episodes with four men being eliminated before a man finally went, oh, wait. Maybe the girls are working together in private. Exactly. That was the first kicker for me because for the exception of, and I, I can't remember the young lady's name off the top of my head, the one that went against Todd the Bod, I think it was guy against guy every single time. Yeah, it was Caitlin. Was Caitlin, Caitlin, that's what it was, Caitlin, yeah. And it was like, you know what, I would have said, wait a minute, why does it keep being guy versus guy and kind of started putting two and two together? But like I said, I'm not the yeah. sharpest tool, but I figure I could have figured that out. Well, I mean, guys should be coming in at looking at it. There's been two female winners beforehand. So they already got the additional pressure of they got to make it. You know, are they going to be able to – are the girls taking the triple crown? Are they going to take the master's green jacket by winning all three, you know? Or are they going to be able to step up? But then you, you start out and you look, whether it was – it probably didn't happen this way on purpose. It probably just organically happened this way. But – in the last two seasons, it was 11 contestants each, and the girls had the upper hand. It was always six girls, five guys. This season, it's 12, but guys have the two-man advantage. <laughs> but now the girls have the two-man advantage because it's been guy, 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 guy. <laughs> so they they helped, TVS helped them out by stacking the deck to make it more guys, and they're still losing. <laughs> purposely stacked and like I, I I know Curtis was saying that the reason why they handed out the team assignments was just to get the movie on uh, the yeah. first episodes in the last few seasons were slower because you know it takes hours for us to do the team and then the, the picking of the team it's really long and drawn out and it's not as exciting as go and do your first challenge and here's your first challenge so they were saying that yes it's because they're trying to eliminate that kind of more of a slow period and just get us going faster um 
But, you know, from the very first moment I found out that that's how they were doing it this summer, I was like, oh, that's because the Titans arrived. Okay, so much ass. I couldn't let that happen again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's kind of what I was thinking, too. But uh, I've got to agree with Curtis to some degree because – Every the first season of a show like this, you kind of you, you let everything go because it's a first season. But when it's the second uh-huh. season and you're a fan, you kind of like you know what happened before. So with like last season, the first episode, you're right. It did kind of drag because it seemed like out of the 40, 44 minutes, say, of actual episode, it felt like a good twenty twenty five was ate up with picking of the teams. Now, if they had give us an hour and a half or a two hour season premiere it probably wouldn't have felt as bad because it's like, okay, you spent 20 minutes picking teams, but I got another hour and a half of TV I can watch. Um, So I think on his part, it probably wasn't that bad. Let me ask you this, though, because this is from my viewpoint. And now, keep in mind, like, I I had the chance that once they were announced, I've had a chance to talk with all the nerds and get to know them from a Welcome to the Family point of view. Right. And I feel like when I'm watching this season – I don't know all the nerds and their specialties. And I feel like because the first episode, here's your teams, here are your names, go. And they went. Where with like season one and two, because they are all sitting around trying to buy their positions into uh, the different teams and try and not be the last one out, I feel like we learned who the contestants were a little bit quicker and we were able to kind of grow with them a little bit more. Kayla, but I, I have a very twisted view because I was a part of that season. Well, no, I've actually got to say that that is, a, a, a really good theory, and I never thought of that. And now that you make me think of it that way, you're right. Now, I do know a lot about these nerds, but that's because I've got my producer podcaster hat on, and I've had to do hours and hours of Google searches on you guys so I can do my homework so I've got the right questions for when you guys come on. And, and know about you and feel like I know about you to some degree as a person. So as, as a podcaster, we can have a good conversation, a good interview. But I don't think if I had done all that research and say this was the deuce of season one, season two, where I was just watching it for fun, would I have known them as much as I do this year? Because you're right. They haven't spent enough time really with each one saying, hey, this is my specialty. This is what I do. And not just that from a point of view of uh, just a reality show fan. They haven't spent enough time with each one so we can get to know them like as a personality. Like what are they like? What are they not like? You're right. They really haven't spent the time on that. And I think you hit the nail on the head. It's because it was like bing, bang, boom. Here's your teams. Welcome to the house. Yeah. And, like, I, I know some of these nerds, and even I'm sitting there thinking back on some of them. Like, I, I, I know that Heather is uh, neuroscience. But then I watch the show, and I'm like, well, where's her neuroscience? Has it been even mentioned once other than her initial, I'm a neuroscientist? Or did she only talk about cosplay? Like, and that, that's one of the things is, like, I'm sitting here, and I just, I feel like, I just don't feel like I know Lily's supposed to be like a big Star Trek fan, but again, it, because it hasn't come up, and I know my season got bashed a lot because there was no comic book fans. So I was like, no, well, comic books just never came up until the very end, and then with me and a bunch of boys who never read comic books, so I was able to kick them up. But you know, when the topic doesn't come up, it's a lot easier for it not to for it to go under the rug. But at the same time, it's just like. 
you know, it, it's, it's, it's hard for me to, even though I know these people and they're friends and I talk with them, like, on Facebook and stuff, for me to sit there and be like, okay, well, this person can contribute this and that because this is their specialty. Like, it's just so, everyone's so across the board similar because they just haven't really focused and introduced everyone like they would have when they did. you got to pick me. I can't be last now because I can offer this, 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 and this. Well, actually, so. yeah, I agree with you fully, and I'll give you an example that 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 you know makes both your points. The episode where they're doing the cosplay competition, like, of course, when you get to an episode, where you get to the nerd offs or the nerd war parts, like, you kind of get to know what people like when it gets to that point. But like you said, if they never discuss it or they never do a nerd war on it, sometimes you don't know. But like with Lily, with Lily, it was like, okay, well, she loves to do cosplay; she's a professional cosplayer, but Unless you watch the TBS promo or their very first few seconds, Ra- uh, Rachelle actually does cosplay, but they don't they don't talk about it. Like it's like she she's like, oh well, I know what I'm doing. I, I know I do cosplay. I know this, but like I, even even as a viewer, you're like, oh yeah, that's right. Rachelle likes to cosplay, but you wouldn't have known if that episode didn't come up. Well, you're right, and, and I will say this because in the episode about the the cosplay, Rachelle was getting upset because she's like, look, I'm a cosplayer. I cosplay. Lily's not the only person on this team that cosplays. But they kind of downplayed it, and it's yeah. right. It like if you went to the bathroom or got up to get a drink or a sandwich while that one bit of dialogue was on, you would have just it w- would have been a throwaway line, and you wouldn't know that that it's something she likes to do. Yeah. So I don't. It's interesting. It definitely changed the season. And uh, again, it's funny because before season three came out, I'm sitting there. I look at season one and season two, and it's like I definitely was in the right season. And now I'm looking at season three. I look at like oh, even their promos, like I like the rap and stuff. It's so cute. It's so adorable. But I'm sitting here as the, the person I am who doesn't like to do outlandish acting and stuff like that. It's like I'm glad I didn't have to do that. I am so glad I got to pick my own team. <laughs> and I've been put on a team with Zach. Oh God. <laughs> so it, it's interesting how you, um, narrowly you get sucked into what you like and what works for you. And so, you know, I, I try and look at it going, well, I see where they're coming from, and maybe I just have a twisted view because I saw it from this side of the glass when I was involved in this. Well, I, I think that kind of is, is like anything with life. You kind of take your own life experiences into it, and because you, you were on the season prior and won the season prior, that you kind of yeah. have maybe a different viewpoint than the new people do, but... um. I, I, I'm loving the new season so far, and like we said, it's TBS is king of the nerds, and it's on Friday nights at, at nine o'clock. And man, yes. it's it's been an exciting season so far, that's for sure. It has. Oh my gosh, the boat challenge was phenomenal. I would have loved to do that. And the sumo wrestler, I, I gave Curtis a little grief because that was like the one part of the challenge in season one. I'm like, I want to go against the sumo wrestler. How fun would that be? <laughs> and um. Yeah, so, and I can tell you that some of the challenges coming up are going to be amazing and awesome, and they've really outdone themselves. The, the challenges this year are just fantastic. They're definitely a step above, and it's just going to keep going up from here because it's just now that they really got a feel for it. And you know, Genevieve is behind the mastermind behind a lot of this stuff that they do. Yeah, I've been watching her Nerds in a Nanosecond video that Genevieve does, which is really, really awesome. 
And she has said a couple times, like, she did the puzzles for the boat challenge. And a lot of the, like you said, a lot of the challenges she's been kind of coming up with and making, which I think is amazing. And she did that for season two as well. And um, what uh, you and many fan of King Leonard should look for is there's a podcast out there that's Genevieve and Curtis. And it's called In the Company of Nerds. And it's just a half an hour podcast that they put out at the end of um, the episodes on Friday. So usually by Saturday morning it's out. And it's them talking about behind-the-scenes stuff. And I've even learned things from listening to these two talk about it. And, uh, you know, this year they're getting the cast involved when it's a nerd off and getting to wear costumes and stuff. It's just so much more fun than just sitting there not being able to participate but having to sit on camera while your friends are participating and stuff so it, it, it's definitely it's cool i love i love where it's going and you know curtis posted the newest uh i think their three-day viewership is well above or well in the area where they want them to be and so it's fantastic i, I know we're gonna get a season four well that's awesome because that uh, that was the only thing when they finally announced that they were doing season three that scared the crap out of me is they said it was gonna be yeah. friday at nine o'clock and i'm like oh crap because you know they call that the friday night death slot and i'm like that's a, not a good place to be but i think tbs is smart enough to know that a not everybody's watching it live and they're counting the day plus three and the day plus sevens mm-hmm. and they're using all that data when they're you know deciding on whether they're going to do a season four you hit it right on the head with that. Um, that that definitely is a part of it. I know, I think I have these numbers correct. Like, we averaged in season two, and we went against the Olympics. Just not yet. We yeah. were competing against the Olympics. Um, we averaged, like, 1.25 million on live views on Thursday night. Um, but when they looked at it, after the fact, I think it ended up being like closer. If you count all the DDR plays and stuff for like a week, I think it ended up being like four million or something like that. I think wow. I read somewhere. So it was like it's a huge dramatic change, and I think TBS is looking at the fact that just in general, how does this generation, their demographics, is the eighteen to the thirty-four range? You know, that's their main demo. Well, how do we digest TV anymore? Like we're talking about Star Trek, the medium's different. Yeah. And we don't pay cable. We don't do that stuff. We just wait until we can get it online. And we wait until we can DVR it. Like, for us, we, our, my generation, our generation, we're looking at it as if we want it on demand when we want it. We don't want to, we don't do, what is it called, a scheduled TV viewing or whatever. Yeah. You know, we, we do it when we want it. And, yeah, they're, it looks like they're definitely paying attention to those numbers, and those numbers are very strong. Uh, definitely um, not, a, you know, if you look just at what they're doing on live TV, which you can get that from, like, the Hollywood Reporter, you know, they're, I don't even think they've broken a million yet of live TV on Friday night. But, you know, it's the numbers when you're looking at the three-day, the five-day, and the seven-day, are huge and that's great and I think they are really going to count that and I hope we don't have the delay that we had last year that was something way outside of the control of everybody involved you know TBS had some change in management or something like that which kind of halted all of their shows not just TBS or Team of Nerds and so oh, hopefully no, it, we get a pickup sooner 
Yeah, and it halted everything, so don't feel bad. It wasn't just you because I'm I'm actually a pretty big TBS fan myself. One of my favorite shows is uh, Cougar Town, and they were going to do the final season, and they just started airing it about the same time you guys' show started. And I think it was because they must have had a shuffle at TBS because for a while there it was like none of their original shows were coming back. And there was like a six, I want to say it was six, maybe a little longer month gap. And I was just like, holy cow, something must have gone on. And then finally we get the, oh, Cougar Town's coming back for the final season. Oh, King of the Nerds is coming back. And I think he hit the nail on the head. Something happened, and then once it got shuffled out, everything came back. Yeah, yeah, and that kind of stuff happens a lot. I mean, see, Sony just lost one of their people, so, I mean, it, it happens, and the, number, the numbers are good this year, and I'm really hopeful we get to pick up early on, because I know that uh, we waited out a wait quite a while to start, you know, looking for a cast and not even knowing all that stuff, definitely. Definitely changes how they uh, are able to get places to film and get all that stuff, you know? Yeah, the logistics totally changes when you when you've got a, a change up like that, for sure. Yeah. But, you know, either way, it's a great show, and it's great that we have people like you guys supporting the show and talking about it and staying active on social media. That's another thing. They really do pay attention to um, their, their social media, their Twitter. You know, they, they look at the impressions that they're doing on Twitter, analytics, and stuff like that. They, they really do pay attention to all that because, again, it's our generation that they're shooting for, and this, these are our tools. Yeah, and I think they're starting to figure out that that Twitter is a huge tool to figure out, especially watching it live, because when I watch it live, I try and live tweet. I see a lot of you guys cast, present and former, all live tweeting, and they've definitely got to see that there is a presence there on Friday nights on the Twitter machine. Yes. Yeah, that's been one of the things that uh, Twitter... Our, uh, TBS has asked of all of us to, you know, be as interactive as we can and stuff. And, you know, a lot of, some of us just, you know, <laughs> as Xander and myself, you know, we were like, okay, we'll do this. We, you can't tell us no. <laughs> but, it, you know, and it's one thing that's really fun, too, is like this year we got Spotify. So every Monday, actually, did it drop this Monday? Well, either way, they're trying to put out the new, the newly eliminated nerd will have a uh, top 25 playlist put out on Spotify under King of the Nerds. That's um, really cool. After Buzz, yeah. After Buzz TV every Monday is doing a show with either host, co-hosted with um, Xander or Curtis, depending on uh, Curtis's filming schedule. Yeah. Uh, and they interview the newly um, exited nerd. Uh, so they got those. And then you have... Nerds in a Nanosecond by um, Genevieve. You have Genevieve and Curtis doing the podcast in Nerd in a Nutshell. You have Vander doing his top three moments, and he also has behind the scenes, the sneak and peek with Vander, and he also has these challenges. So when a nerd gets eliminated, go to his face or his YouTube. And you can see these videos that he's done where they did these little challenges. And they're, they're really silly and they're really fun and really cute. Um, I'm hosting a after show with some of the nerds called uh, The Throne Room. You have Heather and Lily doing pillow talks, which are like these little uh, 
they, they filmed them as if they were still underneath Nirvana, and they were hilarious. One episode, they're just debating whether or not uh, she, Caitlin was a Cylon and stuff. Like, they're, they're just so cute and adorable. And even Ben has King of the Boyfriends kind of podcast and so all of all the previous and former and uh current nerds they all have just something else out there that you can get involved in so if you wanted to you could just be inundated with king of the nerd stuff like 24 7 because we're all out there doing it um virtual from season one does a very he vlogs uh his reviews and they're kind of eccentric uh zach started his own blog too so i mean it's it's just incredible the amount of interaction that we have and how much we care and another thing like when you see all the nerds come back for the anthem right you saw what we had six or seven nerds from the different seasons oh yeah every single one of them paid their own way to LA, paid for their hotels, or at least shacked up at, you know, a local, like Xander probably had someone stay with him, Mujigay's local, so she can have people stay with her, but everyone will pay their own way so that they can go and participate in whatever is needed of them. Wow, that's you awesome, because I didn't know, know that part of the story, and that makes that scene a hundred times better, knowing that everybody had to pay their own way just so they could be there to film that day. Yeah, yeah, um... Every single one, I, I mean, Xander lives in L.A., so it's way easy for him just oh, to yeah. kind of show up. It was Genevieve, but for any of the nerds that weren't from L.A., they all came on their own time. Uh, I missed it by a day. I showed up a day late so that I, cause I had to film my Mars stuff. I was like, darn it. <laughs> but uh, it was, it's really cool. And, you know, we had the premiere party where we tweeted live, and the premiere party was at 5 by 5 and you had five people from season one. You had 10 of the 11 people from season two, and you had the entire season three. And again, that's, you know, 30 of the nerds all there, and every single one of us paid our own way to get into L.A. You know, we all either paid for our own apartment, you know. It's almost like going to a con. There's like 10 people in one hotel or something that's cut cost, but yeah, it's, you see the amount of involvement, and then you you know, it's all coming out of our own pockets. We're all doing it ourselves. This is what we love. This is what we're doing. Um, you know, I don't get paid for the throne room. The Knights of Nirvana was all, you know, my own time and stuff. Xander, a lot of what he does, it's, it's, you know, the only exception would be Genevieve, who, you know, works for the company now. But even still, wanting to do Nerds in the Nanosecond, the podcast, that's how she loves it. And, you know, we love this show, we believe in this show, and, uh, you know, hopefully it comes across with the people who do interact with us, and, you know, having everyone try to participate with your podcast, and with other podcasts and stuff like that, you know, it's, it's a community, and we want to grow that community and that family, and make sure that we're getting people feeling like, King of the Nerds, even though they might not get to go to Nirvana, it's still a part of them and they can still be a part of it by being a part of our online presence no we thank you for that now you were saying Genevieve is part of the company did she become a part of 5x5 five five? yeah she works for them now and that's why she kind of helped develop uh, like season 2 and uh, you know she moved up in rank I think for season 3 and I mean the stuff that comes out of her brain and she works with them on some of their other 
there other shows too that they host and stuff and uh yeah she she's working for them legitimately and she, she loves it well, Kayla, that is awesome. And Kayla, we wanted to thank you so, so much for coming on the show this evening and, and spending your time with us. How, how can they find you on social media and on Twitter? Um, if you want to find me on Twitter, you can find me at on to Mars with the letter two or the number two, excuse me, uh, on to Mars underscore Kayla. And then I do have a Facebook page. Um, I want to say it's, it's just Google or Google, Facebook, Kayla LaFrance, and you'll find my fan page. And uh, I also have a website called BudKnightsOfNerdvana.com, and that's where you will find, uh, we do a Nerd Army briefing every Thursday. It's like a live hangout that we do, roundtable challenges. We have a section devoted to Squires, which are 18 and under nerds. Every month we pick an outstanding young nerd and they get like a gift certificate to Think Geek and they get um, focused or highlighted on our website and stuff. So we, we're trying to build up the website and get that going and uh, that's the best place to find me would be there. Well, that's awesome. Well, Kayla, thank you so, so much for your time this evening. Thank you for coming on and thank you for spending the time with us this evening. Oh, thank you guys for uh, supporting the show. And uh, as we, we extend this olive branch to every one of our guests that come on our show, we have an open-door policy with the Happy Hour and Johnny and Deuce. Anytime you want to come on and plug or you just want to talk more about the show, anytime, you're, you're on. Okay, definitely. Uh, I mean, now that you guys have, you know, we can keep chatting the way we have been chatting, and, you know, maybe at the end of the season we can do what we can do. Well, we, we would definitely love to have that. And any of your friends or anybody else that wants to come on, you just let them know. That sounds great. All right, Kayla. Well, you have a great evening. Thank you. You too. All right. We'll talk soon, Kayla. Later. Okay. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye. Well, that was our amazing interview with Kayla LaFrance, winner of Season 2 of the King, King of the, of the Nerds, Nerds on TBS. TBS. And also, you can catch... The new season of TBS's King of the Nerds, Friday nights at 9 o'clock. So, Johnny, how all are the different ways, the plethora of ways, if you will, that they can reach us at the happy hour? There is a myriad. There is a copious. There is a cornucopia cornucopia of ways you can find us uh, on the Internet. Of course, the happy hour Johnny and Deuce. We're on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash happy hour podcast show. They can hit us up on the Twitter machine at HH Podcast Show and make sure to throw us a like and a share and throw us some love because we could use some love on that Twitter machine. We sure can. Of course, uh, our podcast is hosted primarily on SoundCloud.com forward slash happy hour podcast and then it is branched out to iTunes and Stitcher wherever you get your uh, your podcasting needs. You basically just put it in all of your, your different devices. We got the YouTube at the Happy Hour Podcast. We got Twitch TV forward slash Happy Hour Podcast. And, of course, you can hit us up on the Gmail, show at gmail.com. And when you're using that Twitter machine to send out your, your tweets and your favorites and your weak tweets, there are not one, not two, but there are trace, 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 trace hashtags you need to use when we talk about the Happy Hour Podcast. There's... Hashtag Happy Hour Podcast. Hashtag HH Podcast Show. And not last and not least, probably the most important of the bunch is hashtag Deuces on the Loose. See ya.